president is selling something that people, quite frankly, are not buying. He's been on everything but the Food Channel. His problem is when he says the public auction option won't affect your health care choice, people don't believe that. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt in New York. And I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. Today is Monday, September 21st. And that was Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, you heard at the top. He was speaking on NBC's Meet the Press over the weekend. Which brings us to our Planet Money indicator. Right away today, it is the number five. The number of weekend news shows the president appeared on to talk about bugs. No, healthcare. Ordinary Medicare does just as good, if not better, at keeping people healthy. We want to make sure that guys are protected. Money that's already in in the healthcare system, but just being spent badly. The public option. You effectively said to the left, it's not going to happen. No, no, that's not true. We can solve those two problems. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah, he is even going on David Letterman tonight, and then he's going to go on The Simpsons and then SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) That's not true. It's not true, I know. But he is going on Letterman tonight. So one of the things that's been really frustrating to me about having President Obama in the corner of my living room every single hour is that he keeps making this argument, you know, which, which keeps reminding me that I don't really understand the argument, which is about the idea of a public option. So... You know, I get that a public option would be a government-run health insurance plan, but I still have a lot of questions about how that would actually work. Did you say public option? I did. Oh, now I'm awake. Okay, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes you can take two really boring words, you put them together, and they still sound boring, but people get very upset when you say them. Right. There is a lot of controversy about the idea of a public option, because on the one hand, people say that the public option would have an unfair advantage. It would put regular insurance companies out of business. And on the other side, supporters make this really big claim, which is that the public option is going to do the impossible or the very difficult, at least, which is to reduce the cost of health care, stop it from growing so fast. Right. And that is the thing that's been really confusing to me. So here is how President Obama pitched it in his big speech to Congress the other week. It could provide a good deal for consumers. It would also keep pressure on private insurers to keep their policies affordable and treat their customers better. The same way public colleges and universities provide additional choice and competition to students without in any way inhibiting a vibrant system of private colleges and universities. Now, it is... So, Hannah, you know, I've, I've heard the president making that argument a lot and that, that a government-run plan would increase competition and keep costs down. But I've never, I mean, I feel stupid, but I've never, I've never understood, I've never heard anyone lay out the economics behind the idea. I mean, Medicare is a health plan run by the government, and it hasn't been great at keeping down costs. You know, we always hear Medicare is eating up a larger and larger part of the federal budget. Um, so if there is some magic way to bring down costs, why haven't private insurance companies done it? Is it because they're focused on making a profit? Okay, but that's exactly why they should want to keep costs down, right? So they can make more profit. That's supposed to be their incentive. And by the way, not all insurance companies are for profit. There are a lot of nonprofit insurance out there. So I just, I just had a lot of questions. Right. And we've been talking about this a lot. Can a public plan do that? How would a public plan do that? That is our question for today. And David, you found someone to answer it. Is it true you are the father of the public option plan? 
it's what I've been called. I've, I, I like to think of it as my brainchild, but if that's the case, then I've been suffering a lot of brainchild abuse lately um, because there's been so many attacks on the, on the public plan idea. Hannah, meet Jacob Hacker. He is a professor at Yale. And I have to say, for the father of the public option, he looked pretty young. Uh, but he says he's been pushing this for years. And back when Obama was running for president, it was actually part of Obama's health care plan. And Hacker thought, hey, this is an important topic. I bet it's going to get a lot of attention. It, it did not get a lot of attention back then. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it is totally under fire. So he is out defending it. He's testifying before Congress. He's sitting on panels, talking to lawmakers. In fact, when he was in town, his schedule was so booked, we had to meet in the lobby of his hotel. Yeah, didn't you tell me he was like totally frantic? He'd lost his Amtrak ticket for the ride home. He did. He did. These are hectic times for the father of the public option idea. So Hacker told me that he listens to Planet Money. And before we get into the economics of his idea, I asked him to lay out Planet Money style, no jargon, how would a public plan work? Well, the first thing to understand is that the public plan and all these new private plan offerings would only be open to people who don't have coverage today or who work for really small employers that decide not to offer coverage and let their workers get covered through this exchange. So think of the exchange as like a like a clearinghouse or a market for health insurance. What does that mean? You go you don't go to a stock exchange. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean you would get a, a brochure basically from the exchange because you're a member of this exchange and you're one of the people who will get your coverage through it. Think of it as as this exchange becomes kind of your health insurance uh, provider. Um, a menu. A menu of health options. You know, if you're if you're if you've ever worked for the federal government, and that's not that many people in the United States, but if you ever worked for the federal government, you were a member of the Federal Employees Health Benefit Program, and it works just like this, right? If you're part of it, you get a menu of plan offerings at the beginning of the year. This is the plans you can enroll in. This is how they differ. Here's the premium you would have to pay. Um, it's a little more complicated than that because there's government subsidies depending on your income, but let's just keep it simple. Let's just say you have plan A, B, and C, and plan B uh, is the public plan. So plan A is some private HMO. Plan C, let's say, is you know your private Cadillac, you know, cover everything plan. And let's say plan A and plan B, the public plan, are pretty pretty similar in terms of price. So you're, 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 you've decided you, know, you can't afford the Cadillac plan. You'd have to pay a lot more for that. So you're trying to choose between this private plan and the public plan, and you would do the same kind of decision process that anybody choosing insurance would today, only differently from how you were before and how many people are, you'd actually have a choice. Do I want to enroll in an HMO, let's say, you know, a Kaiser-like plan, uh, where I have a restricted choice of doctors, but the premium's really affordable, and I like private plans, and I like their customer service, or do I want to enroll in this plan that looks something like Medicare? It will allow me to go to a lot of doctors and, and hospitals, um, but on the other hand, it doesn't have the same kind of bells and whistles in terms of customer service, uh, and it, it maybe it has a higher cost-sharing requirement. I have to pay more out of pocket uh, for my care. So you balance those two things. You look at the premiums, and then you enroll. And the nice thing is those plans have to take you within the exchange. It doesn't matter what your uh, health characteristics are or whether you've had a pre-existing conditions. So it's really important to people understand the public plan is not some plan that swoops in and kind of sucks people up like a big spaceship in, you know, some kind of, uh, in some kind of science fiction movie, right? The public plan is only available to people who are in the exchange, and you always have a choice of private insurance plans alongside it. Hey, Hannah. Yeah. Which plan are you going to pick, A, B, or C? Um, I- I'm going to go with the one with the Cadillac in it. <laughs> what was the Cadillac? The Cadillac plan. It's got the, Cadillac it in the name. Have... <laughs> Plus, we, we haven't really gotten to the economics, which I still am confused by how the public plan is supposed to give me 
high quality healthcare for less because it's not like you know this is a problem that people haven't thought about how to stop the healthcare monster from eating all our money. You know <laughs> that there are basically two ways that are talked about to cut costs. One is you offer less. No one likes that idea. Sorry, we can't treat your cancer with the latest drugs. It's too expensive. And the other approach, which is what everyone's focused on right now, is eliminating waste in the system. You know, by some estimates, there are 20 to 40 percent maybe you could save by just eliminating waste. Right. So th that's, that's the way everyone talks about trying to bring down costs. And I asked Jacob Hacker, how is the public option going to do that? Why do you think the government's going to be able to do something that, you know, regular insurance companies haven't done already? It's it's already in their interest to try and provide better, cheaper care because then they can charge lower premiums and they'd corner the market. Why why, why do you think? I mean, you just you just told me you lost your Amtrak ticket going back to New York, and you had a very frustrating experience dealing with Amtrak, which is funded by the government. Why do you think the government's going to be able to to do something that the private industry is struggling with for legitimate reasons? Well, I think that the 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 reason is pre, is that the private insurance companies are going to be facing much greater competitive pressure. Why is it that private insurance companies today are not lowering premiums, aren't working hard enough to keep premiums down? I mean, we have to remember that there has been a doubling, essentially, of premiums over the last nine years. They've been rising four times faster than wages. And the, the main reason for this increase, I think, is that um, we don't have any incentives in the system, right, for more efficient use of resources and I mean, there's not much incentive on the part of insurers to try to create those incentives. Instead, they're passing on higher costs to workers and, and enrollees through higher premiums. And the reason they're not they are doing that, the research is very clear on this, is that they face very little effective competition. In they they say that they say the reason they do that is because every time they try and offer a plan which has a narrow narrow range of doctors who perform more cost effective medicine, the uh, the employees who are picking health care plans say, well, but I want this doctor. My kids like this doctor. We've had this doctor for years. And the insurance company may say, they're actually not providing the most cost-effective care. But the, they say that when they offer these plans, people don't care. They say, you know, we, we're, we'd like to offer something that would – we'd be happy to offer something like that. But people don't pick that plan when they're given the choice. So if you're telling me the government's going to offer that plan, why would people pick that plan when they haven't picked it when they've been offered it before? Well, remember, the government can offer a plan that's going to be more cost-effective in terms of the premium uh, without having to adopt all those very, very stringent restrictions on access to providers. Um, How can they do that? Because – well, they can do it for one reason, that they have very large bargaining power so that they're able to offer the plan at, at, at a more reasonable, with more reasonable provider rates. And they also have much lower administrative costs, and they don't have a profit motive. I mean, we've got private plans. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me, yeah. But we, there are a lot of nonprofit plans out there. A lot of Blue Cross Blue Shield plans are nonprofit. That's right. And those plans then do, when they earn a quote-unquote profit, are then putting it back into expansion of the plan or other, or other ends. But... Um, but they still are having they still have very high administrative costs and another point that i would make and the most simple point is that the incentives right now for the plans are very much driven by the sort of uncompetitive market within which they're operating. So I think it's very important to understand that if the plans were facing greater competition from a public-spirited competitor like a public plan, then if that public plan was pioneering ways of helping keep costs down, they would also be pressured to come up with their own ways. And I do see this as uh, a way that both the public plan and private plans would be able to improve their value over time. Okay, so David, I, I heard two economic points there, Jacob Hacker made, and I'll just repeat them, and you, you can tell me the counter-argument, okay? 
Yep. Okay. So the first thing he said is that a government-run plan would have lower administrative expenses than a private plan. So administrative expenses, that includes salaries, advertising, paperwork, and processing claims, all that stuff, right? He says public plan could save money there. You could look at Medicare. A lot of people say look at Medicare when they make this argument. It has had much lower administrative costs than private health insurance plans, 3% compared to 5 or, or 10%. So the counter argument to that is, uh, yeah, it may, it may look like they have lower administrative costs, but there are other costs as a result that you don't see. Medicare, these people would argue, has a lot of fraud in it, particularly because government doesn't spend a lot of money in administrative fees to get rid of the fraud. And there's another argument, which everyone actually agrees on this. It's that Medicare and private insurance, they are just very hard to compare. So even though you have those numbers there, um, it, it's sort of hard to know what to make of them. Like one difference is just that Medicare has the federal budget behind it, uh, which sort of changes the financing. It's not like a, a, a normal company that you could compare it to. So there's some people look at those numbers and say, I'm just not convinced. And, but then there was another economic point that he made there. The public plan, he says, would be big enough to bargain for lower prices on, on things like drugs and procedures and MRIs. They'd have so much power that they would be able to lower prices on those things. And the counter argument to that is that, okay, you might get lower prices for some things, but that is not the big problem. The big waste in the system is not prices, it's, it's volume. It's not that a CT scan costs $1,000 or something like that. It's that there are entirely unnecessary $1,000 CT scans being done whenever someone gets a headache and goes into the emergency room or something. Right. Well, what did he say to that? He said, basically, I know that's a real hard problem. And that is why we would like a government-run plan around to try and lead the way in trying to fix that. No, I don't dispute that there is a there is a huge amount of variation in the practice uh, that is driving cost differences. But actually, if you look across countries, the price differences are quite dramatic as well, and they matter. Um, we have both a price problem and, in some in some areas of the country, a serious overtreatment problem, and we have to address those in, a, in an integrated way. You know, one of the the the, the the fact is, is that the main idea that's been pushed by people who are associated with the Obama administration and the Council of Economic Advisors is to make Medicare create better incentives in this regard. And all I'm saying is that I think those same kind of innovations, if they're going to come from Medicare, really should be coming from a public plan that's available to non-elderly Americans uh, as well. So I, I want to be clear. I don't think the public plan is a, is a panacea. I think it's an essential check on private insurance plans. I mean, you can see the direction we would go without a public plan is that we would have essentially a requirement on all individuals in the country to have health insurance from private companies. So we're giving a whole lot of new customers to the private insurance industry, and we're putting all these regulations on them that we think will ensure that those insurance companies behave responsibly. But there's very little in that approach that's going to ensure that we're getting value for our dollar or to pre prevent runaway costs in the future. I think we really need to have a public competitor for the private insurance companies as one part of the strategy. The insurance companies should really have to work uh, for those new premium dollars when we, when we require that millions of people come into the market. So there it is, the argument for the public option, the father defending his baby, which he will continue to do, I'm guessing, for the next several weeks. So, so basically he's saying here's a public option and here is how it would save us money. It won't have high administrative costs like private insurers. It'll be big enough that it could bargain for lower prices. And so that would make private insurers have to figure out a way to, you know, get their prices lower as well to meet those. 
And just if we're going to mandate that everyone have insurance, then they should have a public option. And the the concern among conservatives, uh, you know, has always been that the public plan would be would would be quietly in some way getting help from the government, and it would have an unfair, subsidized, competitive advantage, and that everyone in the country would pick it, and we'd have nationalized healthcare socialism. But you know, I, there is another possibility here, which is that say the government puts together its public option, and it's just not. You know, it's not very attractive to people. It can't compete. I mean, imagine the government trying to get into the cell phone market. It might just get thrown out on its butt. <laughs> right. Or Congress could throw it out on its butt. The public option is not in the Senate version of the health care bill. Yeah. Many ways for a health care reform idea to die. It's true. And and actually, the thing that is being talked about now is health care cooperatives, another thing that has us a little bit confused. And we've been working on trying to figure out the, the economic arguments for health care cooperatives. We're going to bring that to you soon. But that is it for us today. We are so all over health care as much as President Obama is on five networks. We have lots of posts about health care on our blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening.